This morning, we are starting a new series called Stress Less. How many of you want less stress in your life? I know I do, and it's fun because I get to prepare what I'm going to speak to you, and as as I'm preparing, I get to pray all week, starting on Wednesdays when I dive into that sermon prep. I'm going, God, help this to be true of me. Help this to be true in, in my life. So as I speak this, I can come from a place of speaking with authority. You're working in this way in my life. Uh, so th- we are starting this new series called Stress Less, and next week I'm going to be talking on the subject, what is my role when it comes to my stress? What is my role when it comes to my stress? How many of you are curious what your role is? Do you, you do have a role uh, of what, what happens with your stress, and I want to encourage you, be back next week. I'm telling you, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to announce and proclaim to everyone, if you want less stress in your life, all you got to do for the next three weeks is come to church. Uh, And so I encourage you, keep coming back so you can uh, learn what it means to have less stress in your life. Today, we're going to be reading from a book called Philippians. This was a book written by a guy named Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. Some of you may know him as Saint Paul. And uh, other than Jesus himself, the most important uh, man when it comes to Christian history. And he's writing this to a group of people that are in a city called Philippi. So the church is located in Philippi, the group of people that make up this church in Philippi, and that's why we call the book of Philippians. It's simply just a letter to the group of people that were located in the city of Philippi. And this morning, we're going to read this letter from, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 through 9 together. It should be in your worship guide or on the screen for you. Paul said this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to speak to you very briefly this morning on this subject. Let's start thinking about what we think about. Let's start thinking about what we think about. If it's not a great message, it's a really good title. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I just pray that you would help us this morning as we dive into your word. I pray that we would learn, Lord, exactly what your word has to say to us, and that would cause less stress in our life, and that, Jesus, we could proclaim, Lord, and as we proclaim, Lord, what you're doing in our life, we could walk out of here feeling the grace and the peace of God on our lives. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, how many of you have ever noticed that there are so many options when it comes to what we worry about? I mean, the, the list is so long, and, and I've just got what, what I'm going to call a starter list here for us this morning, and uh, it's a long list, but it's really just a starter list for us, and, and what I want to do is, uh, is, if you're not stressed, my goal is by the end of this list, you will be stressed by the time, you know, you hear the end of it, and if that doesn't work, I've got a couple pictures to show you uh, on the screen of what it looks like when you're stressed, so let's go ahead and throw those 
pictures up there. There's one, uh, some, somebody that is very stressed. And then here's a second one that I want. Yeah. And so keep that one up. So that is actually, I just want to give you the stressful situation. That is the Saints game, okay? That is the NFC Championship Conference game that is taken in my living room, and that is all of us looking at the last, I don't know when it was taken, it was like in the last 60 seconds or something. It was sometime when that call didn't get made uh, when the Rams and the refs beat us that day. And so uh, that is all of us. How many of you just feel stressed looking at that picture? I mean, it just, you can see. I love my friend Hannah right there with just with a hand on the head. And even Trevor, who never gets stressed, is really stressed uh, in, in that picture. So you can keep that up. And let me read the list to you of options that we have to worry about. Here's a starter list just to stress you out this morning. A starter list is, oh my word, what if there's a storm coming today? Or are we going to have another storm? Will my flood insurance rates go up this year? Will my car insurance go up again this year? What school will my kids get into? What happens if I get sick? What if gas prices go up? What if my 401k never does well? What if my dog gets sick? What if my kids get sick? What if I lose my job? What if my children turn into axe murderers? What if my child doesn't make the team? What if my child makes the team but rides the bench and doesn't get to play? What if that person becomes the next president? What if I keep gaining weight? What if my spouse keeps gaining weight? What if my dog keeps gaining weight? Wait, I'm not done here. We've still got lots of worry options. What if I have side effects from my new medication? What if there was a series of events that triggered the end of the world? What if a star exploded or fell on top top of me and I died? What if I'm wearing the wrong outfit right now? Did I say the wrong thing in that conversation? Is so-and-so mad at me because they're really quiet right now? What if the Saints don't make it to the playoffs? Or as one guy said, what if I worry that I'm worrying too much? Or what if I'm not worried enough and I should be worrying a lot more than I currently am? So this, the list of stress options are, are so long, and just so we're all on the same page of, uh, for this series of what I mean when I say stress, I Googled a definition of stress, and Google is always right. And so uh, I, I just want to read you what we came up with for our definition that we're going we're gonna to be going over for the next four weeks together. Stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. How many of you didn't need an exact definition to know what stress is? Yeah, you know what stress is because you you feel stress. And some of you hide it really well. You Some of you have a lot of stress and you hide it really well. Some of you have a little bit of stress and you don't hide it well at all. But stress, how many of you know, wants to be friends with all of us? It is not a stranger to any of us. Whether you're 14 years old and your, your main stress is, does he like me or does she like me? Or whether you are a grandparent in the room and you're worried about your retirement and what, what's going to happen with all of that, it literally hits everyone. There is no race. There is no age. There is no class that stress doesn't want to project into and wants to hit. It has no boundaries. And some of you may look at, at me and you may look at maybe pastors and go, Oh, but you you don't have very much stress because you only like work a couple hours on Sunday, right? Like you don't even have to work the rest of the week. And so I just thought for fun, so we could all be on the same page, that I'd read read you just a short list of things that happen uh, in a typical work week for me. Things that 
typically do stress me out. So I have to cast vision for the future. I have to identify and train leaders. I have to preach and teach. I have to raise money, serve the needy, provide strategy for the church, organize activities, oversee the administration of the church, manage staff and volunteers, resolve conflict, lead my own small group while keeping tabs on everyone else's small group, administer the sacraments, represent the church in the community, be the lead counselor, perform weddings, perform funerals, perform dedications, lead meetings, care for the sick, and be the primary prayer warrior of the church, all while being a dad who wants to spend time with and disciple his kids, going to all of their sports games and practices, traveling and communicating across the country to different audiences, and being the best husband in the whole wide world. I have stress just like you have stress. Now that we're all on the same page and we're all stressed out this morning, already. Let's talk about this guy named Paul that wants to help us with our our stress. Now, I said uh, earlier that Paul is one of those guys in history, other than Jesus himself, I, I think he is the most important character in all of Christian history, and he wrote much of the New Testament. He was a guy that started all of these different churches all across the world and really spread the gospel uh, to to all, all over the world. But some of you go, well, what does that qualify him to talk about stress? Because if you're like me, how many of you don't want to hear solutions for people that haven't been through the mud with you, Right. Like, if they haven't been there, isn't it hard to listen to somebody if you go, well, you've never had to deal with what I'm having to deal with, so I don't, why should I listen to you? And, and you may just have read a book about some answers, but, but you want to know, like, if, if I'm receiving information from somebody that is going to help me out, I want to know that they have been through the fire as well. And so let me tell you about what Paul has been through just to give you some background and, and let you know what's happening as this book is being written, as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Paul has actually, he's writing this letter to people that are 700 miles away from him, and he had just been shipwrecked in a place called Malta, where he had also, he had after he was shipwrecked, he landed on a beach, and he was bitten by snakes. Somehow he makes it through that situation, and he ends up in Rome. And when he enters Rome, he enters Rome during the time of Nero. Now, if you know anything about history, you know that that arriving in Rome and being a Christian during the time of Nero is not a, a good recipe for not being persecuted. And so Paul is instantly, he is chained. He has been beaten uh, with whips. He's, his back is sore from the flogging that he received. His wrists are, are chafed from the, the chains that he has. And he is right now currently, as he writes the letter, he is being watched in jail by a guard. And so, yes, you heard me right. Paul is in jail, and he's writing this letter. How many of you think that sounds like a little bit of stress? Yeah, kind of makes our problems what, what I call first world problems. And so uh, Paul is there. He's going through all of this, and not only is he stressed, but the people that he is writing to are under very stressful circumstances. You see, their leader is in jail. They are stressed out about that, and they are under threats of being persecuted themselves and possibly being tortured, murdered, thrown in jail themselves. They also have had false teachers that has come into their church, and they are teaching the wrong things. And then not only that, two of the top leaders during this time 
that Paul is writing, two of the top leaders in that church are quarreling, and so there's a bunch of church drama. So what you've got here, just to give you the background, is you've got a stressed out guy that is writing to a stressed out group of people. And let's let's read, let's go over what he wrote here. And you kind of keep those those uh, uh, prison bars up. We can go back and forth during as we're reading. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, says this. Do not be anxious about what? <laughs> Do not be anxious about what? Anything. So th- that's like, yeah, right. Like, we're all going, sure, Paul, easy for you to say. Now, remember, he's in jail. He's just been beaten, okay? And his wrists are, are chafed from being the, the chains that are around him. And Paul, the guy sitting in, those, in the cell right now, is saying, do not be anxious about anything. And then he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. So he's telling us, hey, here's how you handle stress. First step, you got to know who to talk to about your stress. Now, we all have somebody that we talk to about our stress. For some of you, you say, no, I don't talk to anybody. I'm an introvert. I process information by myself. Well, you are still talking to somebody. You're talking to yourself about your situation. And Paul's trying to make it clear from the get-go, here's how you start. Whenever you're stressed, whenever you've got anxiety, the first person you talk to is you bring it in prayer to God. And then he goes on in verse 7 to say, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and, let's say that word together, and your what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul's on to something here. And he, he really is on to the fact that he's trying to help us figure out where our stress starts. And it's easy to read from this and look, and, and Paul is identifying that our, our, start, our, our anxiety and our stress starts in our brains, okay? Everybody take your hands, put them over your head like this and go, this is where it's all at, okay? Yep. So this, that is where your stress is, that is why even, like, it's funny to, when people are really stressed out, they'll put their hands over their head, okay? They'll touch their face. Like, this is, a, uh, it's the place where migraine headaches happen. He, Paul is really helping us understand that our minds and our brains are where our stress starts. So then that begs these questions. What if we could retrain our minds not to have as much stress? Or, in other words, let me, let me phrase it like this. What if we learn to think about what we think about? What if we could retrain our minds and we could learn to think about what we think about? This is actually what Paul is wanting us to do. And so he's, he's wanting us to say, here's what you need to be thinking about. And what we're about to read in the following verses is like a catalog. It's like a catalog of the goodness of God, if you will. And here's what he says in the following verses. Finally, he's telling us what to think about, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, 
I wish we, and, and I would encourage all of you to study this passage this week and break down each one of those words. Kind of look at the, what, the, what does he mean by noble? What does he mean by right? What does he mean by pure? I would do a, a study, a word study on each one of those words. But I just want to give you an overview this morning and, and help you understand that Paul is telling us to think about what we think about. And it really kind of makes most of us mad if we're, if we're really uh, honest in the room because we don't want Paul to tell us to think about things. What we want Paul to tell us is how to change our circumstances, right? Like, I don't need you to tell me that I need to be thinking differently. What I need you to do is I need you to give me solutions to what's happening in my life. I need you to tell me how to handle this child. I need you to tell me how to handle this boss that is driving me crazy. I need you to tell me how to handle this financial situation that we've got happening. I need you to tell me how to handle the physical strain on my body that is causing my health to go awry. So we want answers to our situations, but Paul is trying to tell us that it's not not actually the thing that we need to, to be focused on. It's we need to focus on how we think about the thing that's happening in our lives. So it's not about what's happening. It's about how we train our minds to think about what's happening. And it, it's just like this. How many of you have ever met somebody that uh, can have the world falling in and you, you see their life and you hear about their circumstances and you go, I don't even know how they are surviving right now, but then when, they, when you talk to them, they actually have an incredible perspective. They're happy. They're joyful. They have peace that they shouldn't have. Have you ever met someone like that? Like, that you're like, I don't even understand how you're even surviving right now. I mean, when I look at your life, the situation seems so stressful, yet you have this incredible perspective that I would have never had. Now, how many of you have met the opposite, that one little thing happens with somebody and the sky is falling, you know? It, it, it's like you, they got this one little situation and it's like the world is falling apart. And, and typically what you see with many of these people is that their world is always falling apart. Because they've always got something going wrong. There's always a situation. There's always a thing. And it's not necessarily always that their situations are worse than others. It's the way they think about their situations. So what Paul is trying to tell us is you've got to learn to handle stress differently in the way that you think. He's telling us this is something that you've got to make a conscious decision to do. Setting our minds on the good. Now, how many of you know that our minds naturally gravitate towards the negative, right? Did you know that, that as we were looking at this, Pastor Daniel and I were looking at this this week, uh, the average human being thinks about 24,000 thoughts a day. 24,000 thoughts. Think about that. 24,000 thoughts. See, when I said think about that, I added a thought to you. See when I did that? So, Y'all catch up. It's early for you, okay? So, so 24,000 thoughts a day, the average human being, somebody that's not thinking a lot, and there really are people that just aren't thinking that much, okay? Uh, they're, the, the lowest is 12,000 thoughts a day. The highest is 80,000 thoughts a, a day. So, so those people are like really stressed most of the time. Because it's like, you know, they're just, their minds are running. And, and typically, what, what we discovered as we looked at this is that in the thoughts that you have, 80 to 90% of your thoughts are negative thoughts. That means 80% of the thoughts that you're having are negative. Your mind bends that way. You gravitate towards 
the negative in your job, in your family, with your situations, in your life. Our minds bend to, to the negative. And then of those 80 to 90 percent of negative thoughts, we discovered that 80 to 90 percent of those are repeated. So in other words, they're not first time thoughts. You're having that same thought over and 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 over again. And you're thinking, what if that's going to be wrong? That's not going well. It's not going well. It's not going well. And when you tell yourself that thought a thousand times a day, how many of you know by the time you lay down at night, no wonder you're having a hard time sleeping. Because our minds bend this way. We gravitate. We, we, we pull towards the negative. Our tendency is to focus on the negative. But Paul is saying this. He's saying, I want you to think about whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these Things And the word that he uses in the original language when he says, think about these things, he actually, the original language is the word marinate, if you will. And to marinate actually means this, to make a habit of thought. To make a habit of thought. So he's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to make a habit of thinking about that list. And so most of us are saying, okay, Paul, that's great. I've got to change what I'm thinking about, but I, I want to give you a hint today. It's not changing just what you think about. It's changing who you think about. Now, watch this, okay? Now, otherwise, if we, we're in here today, we're, okay, I've got to think good thoughts. Well, that's a self-help deal, and y'all can go to a seminar for that, conference for that. There's one every weekend that I'm getting advertisements for. This guy's coming to New Orleans, and he's going to help us all have better self-help thoughts, okay? So it's, the, it's okay, I'm, I, you know, it's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, okay? It's not just that. It's, it, Paul is not giving a, less, a, a, a list of self-help good thoughts. He's actually giving us a list of God. He's giving a list of the attributes of God. And so it's not just what we think about, it's changing who we are thinking about. We've got to learn to focus on Christ, to focus on Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, the one thing that I'd ask you to write down is this, concentrate on Christ more if you want to stress less. Concentrate on Christ more if you want to stress less. Think about Jesus. Think about who he is. Think about what he's done. Think about the goodness of who he is. Think about the fact that he loves you, that he has plans for you that are trustworthy. Think about all of the attributes of, of Jesus. And, and let me just help you with this. The way that you can think more about Jesus is to read about Jesus, to read who he is, to read what he's done, to read what he said, and to, and to pray and talk to, to Jesus. So if you'll pray and you'll read, what happens is you're retraining your brain. Every time that you read your Bible, you're replacing negative with positive. Every time that you are talking to God, you are literally taking negative thoughts out of your brain and putting positive thoughts in your brain. So when I come, and, and this happens to me on a daily basis, where I come into my prayer time, because I don't know about y'all, but I can be stressed out by like 9 o'clock. How many of you are with me? 
Literally, it doesn't take me long. I can be stressed out within 20 to 30 minutes of waking up. As soon as I look at my calendar like I do every morning to see what meetings I have that day, my brain starts going, okay, that's going to be a bad, that, that's going to be, they might punch me in my office, you know? I, I mean, so my brain is going, and so my prayer time is actually at the church. It's right here in the sanctuary, and so when I come in here uh, and I begin to pray and begin to talk to God, I come in with all of the stress and all of this negative things that are happening, and then I spend time reading my Bible, I spend time praying, and I can literally feel my brain changing I can sense that my brain so when I leave that time it's like okay I've got a different perspective than I had when I woke up this morning and so if you'll begin to concentrate on Christ more you'll have less stress in your life there's a contrasting scripture that I want us to look at and study a little bit before we close today. See, Paul is saying in Philippians 4, he's saying, think about these things. But he writes to another group of people in a city called Corinth that are really also going through a stressful situation. And it's the antithesis, if you will. It's the opposite of the passage in Philippians 4. So in 2 Corinthians 10, he says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take, let's say that word together, captive. What do we take captive? Every what? Okay, so we've got to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Romans 12.1 says that we offer ourselves up as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. And then it goes on to say that we are renewed by the transformation of our what? Our minds. And so Paul is saying in Philippians 4, think about these things. These are the attributes of God that I want you to dwell on. I want you to think about, about Christ in this way. And in, in Corinthians, he's saying, hey, it's the opposite. Every bad thought, every evil thought that comes, you don't, you don't think about these things. So uh, here's, here's what I want to emphasize to you. We can have very little control over the thoughts that we have, Okay. They can come from anywhere. They can come from what we watch, a TV ad, a conversation that's had, uh, just our natural selves. They can come from the enemy himself that plants thoughts in our brain. And so you can't control the thoughts you have. And, and how many of you, just so I'm not alone, how many of you would, would be honest with me and say, I, I got some crazy thoughts sometimes. Come on. Me too. I mean crazy thoughts. Not even like weird thoughts. I'm talking about like some of the thoughts I have, if I told you, you would leave this church. Okay. Crazy thoughts. And here's what I want to help you understand. It's not the thoughts that you have. You have sometimes no control over the thoughts you have. But what you do have control of is how long you think about them. Okay. It's not just that I'm controlling every thought that goes into my brain because I can't really do that. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to control how long I dwell on a thought. And so in, in Philippians 4, he tells us, here's what I want you to think about. In 2 Corinthians 10, he's saying, hey, take those thoughts captive. And, and, and I just want to tell you, just a plug, that's why all of us in the room, it helps if you are in a small group. Because if you're in a small group and you begin to confess those things out loud that, that, are, that are happening in your life, sometimes you just need a brother or a sister in Jesus to go, hey, that's not a God thought. Put your mind back on a God thought. 
Let, let's, let's get your brain back on God thoughts, on, on the thoughts of Jesus. Let, let, sometimes I just need that little, that, that little reminder. My small group this week, so I said something, and one of the guys in my group said, you know what, Pastor, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but there, that is nowhere near a God thought. You, you need to think about something else. And, and he gave me a list of what I need to be thinking about that was scriptural. So being in that small group is going to help you because you're not alone in your fight that way. It, you, you literally enlist someone else to help you with your thoughts. Isn't that cool? So in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is actually using, it's like a, it's like a war. It's like a prisoner of war statement that he, he gives to us. It's, it's like, hey, take that thought and put it in jail. Okay? Don't dwell on th- that thought. Take that thought captive. Captive that thought. So put that thought in jail. So you've got to treat your mind and the thoughts that you have like a prisoner of war does. So I've never had training on interrogating a prisoner of war and how to interrogate uh, a prisoner, but I want to just kind of walk with you through how to interrogate your imagination, okay? This is how you interrogate your imagination, and, and this is just by me watching episodes of Jack Bauer and 24, things like that. So here's what you're going to do with your, your terrorist thoughts, okay? You're going to begin to get brave in your mind. You're going to set up TSA security in your mind, okay? So... TSA security, if you don't fly, it's airport security, okay? So you're not going to get on a plane without going through TSA. So it's not that TSA can control who comes into the airport, but they are going to control who rides on the plane, who gets to dwell in the travel, okay? So just think about that for a second. Here's how I've got to set up TSA in my brain. I'm going to interrogate my thoughts. I'm going to take them captive. Here's some, some questions that you can have for the thoughts. Where did you come from? Okay, where did you come from? That your thoughts come from somewhere. They come from the world. So if you've got somebody that you work with that is really, really a negative person, you can ask yourself, okay, maybe that thought came from them. Maybe that thought came from a TV show. By the way, that does help you control your thoughts if you'll begin to watch stuff that isn't bad for your brain, okay? And so you go, okay, that came from the media somewhere, that came from an advertisement, that came from uh, a negative thought in me, or it maybe straight up came from the enemy himself. Maybe the enemy himself planted that thought in my brain, and so I've got to ask instantly, as fast as I can, where did you come from? Number two, what is your mission? What is your mission? Because every thought has a mission. Every thought wants to do something. Every thought that you have, it it wants to take you somewhere. It wants to take your mind, your emotions, your relationships. All the thoughts that you have have a mission in your life. And so where did you come from? What is your mission? And who sent you? Who sent you? If you'll begin to interrogate your imagination and you'll determine, if you'll make those determining thoughts, where did you come from? Who sent you and what is your mission in my life? What you'll begin to do is you'll begin to take those thoughts, those negative thoughts, and you'll go, nope, I'm not hanging out with you. You are going into jail, okay? I'm placing you in jail in my life. You don't get to live with me. You don't get to ride along with me. You don't get to come to work with me today. You're not going to give the chance to to come into my house with me as I walk through the doors of my house. You can't come to school with me. You're not going into my bedroom with me. You're not going to sleep with me. I'm taking that thought because I know it is not from God. It is not about God and it is not a positive thought. I'm going to place it in jail so God 
can be what I think about, and I'm th- going to think about the goodness of God. I'm going to think about who he is. I'm going to think about what he wants from me. I'm going to think thoughts like this. God isn't done with me yet. God is a good God. He has good things planned for my life. God wants to enrich me. God wants to help me. Even when I'm going through rough situations, it is for the purposes of God in my life. I'm going to think about Jesus. I spend time, and the reason why Easter is my favorite holiday of all time is because I try to spend much of my time thinking about the cross and thinking about the resurrection. So it's like the antithesis for me of like, wow, this is an incredible weekend to think about what I'm trying to think about all year long. Think about Jesus. Let your mind dwell on his goodness, whatever is true, whatever is righteous, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is pure. Jesus is all of those things. So you've got to have the help to say, you know what, i got to put that in jail, but I, I need help. How do I help put that in jail? Well, that's when you call on the person of the Holy Spirit in your life and say, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. Help me to take that thought captive, to place it in jail, and not allow it to ride with me in my life. So think on these things. Interrogate your imagination. Those negative thoughts that come in, you've got to make sure that they're fleeting, that they leave as fast as possible, that they, you, you do not dwell on those things. So let, let me say it like this, just to do this in kind of a, a different way. So uh, I, they're probably going to be mad at me, but I'm going to ask Gio and, and Tiff, why don't you come on up to the stage here for me, okay? Come on up here. Thanks. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, they're married, okay? So I want you just to just cuddle there, just standing up, you know, not anything too crazy. But, yeah, that's good, okay? Okay, cuddle, all right? And so uh, Daniel Waghorn, come on up here for me, okay? So Daniel, just go ahead and stand right there for me. So here's what I want you just to give you a picture of what you need to do with your thoughts, Okay? So they're married, and they like each other, if you can't tell, okay? That's positive when you're married, okay, because there are married people that don't. So they like each other. So they're married, and they like each other, okay? And so if, if Gio, if we're talking about him, what we're saying is, hey, you've got options with your thoughts, okay? Uh, Tiff represents the good option. The God option, okay? She represents thinking about good things, thinking about whatever's true, admirable, noble, trustworthy, righteous, pure, okay? Even Jesus, thinking about those good thoughts, okay? And Daniel represents the negative thoughts, the thoughts, okay? So here's the question, okay? I want you to leave her, okay? And I want you to go cuddle with him, okay? So you go... Why would, yes, Daniel's enjoying this a little too much, okay? So you go, why would he want to cuddle with him? But is, this is what we do. When we think on those negative things and we don't take them captive and we decide we're going to hold on to them, we're going to have that offense, that, that person's really making, we're going to have that unforgiveness, we're going to have that, that oh, it's, not, it's never going to be good, it's always going to be bad, and my finances are always going to look bad, and it's always going to be this way, and, and my son's never going to get right with God, or whatever your situation is, what you're doing is you are cuddling, literally, 
think about it like this. I'm cuddling with my bad thoughts. I'm embracing my bad thoughts. Here's what I'm trying to tell all of us in the room to do. Leave those bad thoughts for better thoughts. Okay? For God thoughts. Yeah, just kind of shove him to the side there for me. Yes, thank you. Get out of the way. We don't even like you anymore. Okay? Yes, good thoughts. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Thank you, guys. You you can have a seat. Thanks, Daniel, for playing the bad thought role. Did did a good job. So this morning, I, I want you just to begin to think about what you think about. And as the band comes this morning, I want us just to look at the last portion of this verse. Because Paul is saying, think about what you think about. Take those those thoughts captive. Concentrate on Christ more if you want to stress less. But then here's how he closes out that particular passage, okay? He says this in part B of, of, of verse 9. He says, and the God of peace will be what? With you. And the God of peace will be, let's say it together, say with me, with me. Say that again. And the God of peace will be with me. Close your eyes and say it. Say the whole sentence. And the God of peace will be with me. Now just stop for a second. Think about who he is. Think about how much he loves you. Think about the cross. Think about the resurrection. Think about the goodness of Jesus. Think about what he did while he was on the planet. Think about the words that he spoke. Think about what he has already done in your life. Think about him. And as you begin to think about him, you're going to realize something. You're going to realize that not only do we get, when we think about this list, these attributes of God? Keep thinking about Him. Think about how how good He is. Think about that He is is totally noble, that Jesus is incredibly right, that He is 100% pure, that He is lovely, He is admirable, He is excellent, and there is no doubt that He is praiseworthy. You're thinking about him. Here's what's going to begin to happen as you're thinking about him. You're going to realize that when you think about him, that we don't just have the peace of God. We get the God of peace. That as you think about him, it's not just that you get his peace. It's that you get the God who gives peace. He loves you. He wants good things for you. If you would have been the only one, he still would have paid the price that he paid for you. With everything Jesus is, as you think about him, you understand that not only do I get his peace, I get him.